All right, well, we're going we're gonna to start the service today, or the, the message time, a, a little bit differently than normal. We're going we're gonna to start with a game. It's called Finish the Lyric. Now, now here's the dangerous part of this game. It, it implies that by my singing, you'll be able to tell what I'm singing. And, and there, there's a significant opportunity that won't intersect, okay? But, but here's what I've done to try to increase the odds. I, I'm only singing two words. And, and you're only going to have to follow with two words. And, and you know, I'm going to be honest with you, folks. I nailed it the last two services. It, I mean, it, it is what it is. They, they knew what it is. And I think this is, this is the brightest of our three services, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and I didn't say that, but I, I knew that's what y'all thought. So I, I'm pretty sure you're, you're, y'all ready for this. Here we go. I'm, I'm going to sing two words and, and you sing the two words that follow. I got to get geared up for this. Okay, ready? Almost heaven. Oh, y'all came in. Well, y'all are on the stand. Third, third place is on the stand. Oh, yes, it's West Virginia. Almost heaven, West Virginia. You know, I, w- I was listening to that song uh, this week and, and just thought of those two words, almost heaven. And, and it made me start thinking, well, we don't need to do this message. Let's just hop in a car, drive north, and we'll, we'll find out what heaven's like, right? Apparently, it's, it's up there in West Virginia. But no, I started thinking about that. What would I say? John Denver said it was West Virginia. What would I say? What would you say is, is almost heaven? And, and I, I, start, I started making a list. And, and literally, I don't know if this is in order of importance, but this is the first thing I wrote down. It sounds kind of weird. I wrote, I wrote down blueberries. I mean, I, man, I just think God knocked it out of the park on that one, you know? Way, way to go, God. Blueberries. That's, that's almost heaven. Another one, I'm a little ashamed to admit this, and, and I don't do this a lot, so, so don't judge me, but, but fine dining, you know, the, the really nice restaurants where like it takes the riches of heaven to eat there. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, once a year, maybe go in there and wow, a bill like that. But I tell you what, when you're enjoying those meals, that, that, that's got to be a little bit like heaven right there, huh? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe something a little cheaper. Bluebell ice cream is a little bit like heaven, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, we all know that one. Yeah, it, I don't even think it matters the flavor. I mean, when it's from Texas, it's going to be almost like heaven, right? right? Hey, speaking of states, not West Virginia, not Texas. For me, y'all already know this, man, Colorado. The, the Colorado Rockies, Estes Park, you know, I, there's times I go there by myself. There's times I'm with my family, all of our family. There's times I'm reading, fishing, hiking. It doesn't matter when I'm there. As a matter of fact, I can almost remove the word almost. That, that's just like, that's heaven right there. It, it, Colorado Rockies, that's, that's what does it for me. Now, here's one maybe a little bit different. Uh, for me, preaching is almost like heaven. Now, I didn't say it was almost like heaven for you to listen to me preaching. I'm just saying for me, the act of doing that, man, the study, the preparation, getting to do this, that, that, that's, man, that's got to be what like heaven's like. And, uh, and then, of course, last but certainly not least, my wife is like heaven. Yeah, right? A little ooh and ah, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, folks, you know what? I got, man, I got... I'm so excited to think about things like this. And, and maybe you were too. Because I got some tremendous news for you this morning. The best parts of this earth. The, the best parts of your life. They're a foretaste. They're, they're a glimpse. They're a preview of what heaven is going to be like. 
You know, man, if you don't, if you don't leave with anything else today, maybe, maybe you just leave with that, that thought and understanding that the best parts of here give me some insight to what it's like there. And, and you know, all through this series, we've been struggling. What is heaven like? And for most of us, it's just kind of a blank canvas. And, and we tend to divorce reality from heaven experiencing and enjoying anything that we would know and understand. We tend to separate that from heaven. I'm not completely sure why we do that. I I maybe would look at a couple of reasons. One, you've got all the false religions, and even in philosophy, you see this a lot. There there is a thinking out there that, that matter is evil. That, that, that physical things, that's where the bad is. So, so good is not matter, good is mystical. Good, good is not substance, good is, is spiritual. So that kind of thinking floating around may, may influence us. You know, I think even when we look to the scriptures, this is more of a positive thing. But when we open the scriptures, we see that we're spiritually dead. And we've got to be born again to have spiritual life. We know that God is spiritual. We know that we're challenged, encouraged to have spiritual priorities, to make spiritual living important. And so maybe we grab that word spiritual and we just make it the opposite of something, something physical. I, I think maybe these are some of the reasons when we're thinking about heaven, we just don't really grab a hold of and understand it to be anything we would actually enjoy. But folks, when you look at God creating a perfect world, which he did in Genesis, and you look at God delivering to us a perfect world in Revelation, folks, it's very physical. The descriptions are of physical things in a physical realm, and, and there's physical people with, with fingers and toes and, and, and enjoying things in the physical realm that, that, we, that we know. That's how we need to understand heaven. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of bounce back and forth between a perfect that was delivered and a perfect that is going to be delivered and see if we can get a little bit of a feel of, of what heaven might be like. And, and so we're going to, matter of fact, it's kind of an exciting Bible study because we're going to be like on the first page or two of the Bible and the last page, page or two of the Bible. I mean, it's the easiest turn to there is in the whole world. No, no Habakkuk, no Micah, no, no, no Jude. Man, it's first page, last page. It's going to be real easy uh, to, to get there. And we're going to look at, especially in Genesis, we're going to look at some verses that you know, that you've read, but maybe look at them from a different angle and light. And, and I hope it sheds some light on this for us. So let's begin. Look in your Bible with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And look at verse 9. That's going to be the first one we look at. Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. It says, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And so it was. And God God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that and said, Hey, now that right there, that, that was a good move. That, that's, a, that's a good thing right there. You, you know, that's, that was God's idea in a perfect world. You know, we like water, don't we? I'm not talking about to drink. I'm saying we, we like bodies of water. Now, obviously, there, there's some utilitarian, there's some functional reasons for that. But, but all throughout humanity, wherever you go on there, we, people like to be around water. We build on, on, near streams and, and rivers and, and the lakes and, and the beach. I mean, if you go to the beach, you want your room to look at the what? 
I water. I'm not, I'm not going there to look the other way. I, I want a view with the, uh, of the water. We like the water. It's, it's a good thing. You know, I wonder... I wonder if maybe God created that and he saw the land come together and the water come together and that's usually what we call a beach and he saw that. I wonder, did he imagine, did he look down the road and, and did he see us boating and, and sailing and, and fishing? Did, did, he, did he see the little ones there making the, the sandcastles and say, man, that's, that's, that's going to be good stuff. That's going to be good. They're, they're going to enjoy that. And you say, well, you, you, you think God was creating stuff just for us to, to enjoy? Oh, my goodness. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. Genesis 2, verse 9. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight. It, folks, God created trees, not the only reason, but one of the reasons. He created trees and, and everything else in creation can fall in. He created things with this one thing in mind. That when it hits your eye, it was pleasing. That when, you hit, when it hits your eye, you said, that's cool, that's awesome, that's beautiful, wow. He, he was creating things and designing just to be pleasant. When you looked at it, and then, and then it says what? And, and that they would have good, that, that, that the trees would produce things good for, for food. That it would be, it would be good. You know, he, he, he gave us the ability to taste things. Now, let, let's think about this a little bit. Passage says God made trees, right? That's God's idea, trees. Anybody in here been to the Redwood Forest? Yeah, quite a few. Matter of fact, all three surfaces, we've had a significant number of people. I, I would have to say... That the Redwood Forest was the most impressive place I've stood on planet Earth. I, I'm not saying looking at trees is my favorite thing. I, I, I like the mountains. But, but the Redwood Forest, that's the only place that happens. <laughs> that's the only place that appears. And it is just un- unbelievable. If you've never seen it, 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 is, it is hard to process and imagine a tree like that. And, and a whole forest of trees like that. It, it is incredible. But the same God who said, I'm going to make redwoods, also turned around and made bonsai trees. You seen those things? Especially one that one of those, I don't, I don't even know what you call them, a pruner, artist, I don't know, people that know how to cut and train those things so that they look. But I mean, redwood forest, bonsai tree, all of that, God's idea. He said, well, why, why all that variety? Just, just to bring pleasure to your eye. Now, folks, the fall hasn't happened yet. This is in a perfect world, in a perfect world, which is what heaven is like. Okay, in a perfect world, this is what God was creating. This was what God was thinking. You know, in a perfect world, he made you with a tongue that had taste buds. Have you ever thought about how cool that is? Do you realize that taste is not necessary for survival? Taste is not necessary for your well-being. I mean, God could have just made... uh, uh, a blah, blah. And, and once a day you pick up a blah and you, you put it in your mouth and it, and it goes down and you get the carbs and the protein and the, the, the minerals and, the, and, and, and you're done. Just once a day, put a piece of blah in and you'll have, your body will have what it needs. But he didn't do that, did he? As a matter of fact, he actually, he didn't just make flavorful food. He, he put like four quadrants on your tongue so that there could be almost an endless variety uh, of things you could enjoy, an endless variety of, of taste and flavors that, that would come together just, just for you to enjoy. That's what God's thinking. That's what God is doing 
in a perfect world. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. Very familiar verse. Verse 27. So God created man. Boy, man, four, four very, very important words right here, folks. In his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. You know, mankind, humanity, God's idea. And, and it says here that he, that he put man together in his own image. This, these four words force me to not accept evolution. And, and this is not the only place this appears in the Bible that this idea is here. You know, folks, first of all, we need to remember it, it's a lie that science and the facts demand that you come to an evolutionistic understanding of how living things got here. Okay, that's what some group of people are doing with facts and, and saying, but there's nothing about the facts that demand that. But then what's really sad, because we do tend to feel stupid in front of science, and so what do we do? Oh, we got we to figure this out. And so we've got whole realms in the Christian faith that have picked up evolution, and we've baptized it and made it ours, and we say, well, well God kicked off evolution, that, that evolution was the God's idea and it was the way he delivered everything. And, and so God creates this, this single cell organism that, that one day later outcomes the product, mankind. But folks, that's not what this passage says. It says in an event, in a very specific act of God, not the end of a long process, but in a singular event, God made man and he didn't just produce a living being. He actually formed him and fashioned him so that the man would be like him. So that, so that humanity could, could portray qualities of God and do things that God designed him to do just, just like himself. Have you ever, have you ever been lost in a piece of art? Not a big art person, not, not going to try to say that I am. But you know what, if you put me in the Smithsonian, if you, if you take me to the museum, I tell you, two guys that do it for me is, is Monet and, and, and Renoir. I, I, I can get lost in that. Just, I don't understand how they do that and, and just appreciation. How about, uh, here's something all of it. I mean, we're all music people, right? I mean, has your soul ever been raptured by a song? In, in worship? I mean, we, got, we have music that helps us to see and experience God. We've got music that helps us get over our first boyfriend or girlfriend. We got, you know, we, we've got music that makes us laugh. We, I mean, music touches our soul. It, it helps us express and to deal with emotions. How about, how about this? Have you ever looked at something mankind built and just been in awe? The, the pyramids, a, a bridge. A building, and you look at this structure, and man, how did how did how was that possible? How did how did we how did we do that? How how could that happen? Or I, I tell you, one does it for me. I don't know why I'm like this. I don't know if anybody else is like this. I can get teary. I, I can't explain why. When they do that countdown, and it, and, it, and it gets to ten, and and the flames and the smoke starts to to shoot out, and that that shuttle, that rock, I, I just I get so overwhelmed, I get teary watching that. I don't know why, but but I do. Hey, folks, all of that, God's idea. That's how, that's how he designed us. He didn't design us to exist. He didn't design us to just move along instinctually. He designed us to be intelligent. He designed us to be creative. He designed us to explore. 
Folks, God put something in us. So we wanted to go to outer space. So we want to go to the bottom of the ocean. So that we want to understand what is going on in the human body. Science is, God's not afraid of science. He made us to be scientists. He put exploration and invention in us. Now, if that's God's idea in a perfect world, folks, guess what we're going to be doing in heaven? We're going to be exploring, and we're going to be creating, and we're going to be inventing. We're going to go all over the universe. Like, well, now, some of that stuff sounds like work. We're going to work in heaven. I, I know. I know some of you were kind of thinking, I, gosh, I thought for sure that work would be something that went to the other place. You know? Hey, folks, before the fall, before we get to Genesis chapter 3, God gives man work. Work is a part of a perfect world. Now, when you introduce sin, we get work that doesn't work. That's what God said is going to be the effect of sin on work. It can be frustrating. It can be tiring. Sometimes you can do it and it doesn't even add up to anything. It, it doesn't produce fruit. It doesn't, it, you don't get the return for your labor. So yeah, a lot of work is impacted by a fallen world, but in a perfect world, we work, actually what we're going to talk about next week. I'm getting ahead of myself. Next week, what are we doing up there forever and ever? We're going to talk about some of these ways, folks, God's designed us. If that's how we were designed in a perfect world, folks, we should absolutely assume that that goes over into the, into the new world, into the, the new heaven. We're going to be, man, exploring infinity and, and exploring the earth. And when we get all done, I, that's a contradiction, isn't it? I don't, I don't guess you can get done exploring infinity. But, let, but let's say we could. When we get done, guess what God will do? He'll just speak a whole new creation into existence. Stuff we've never seen. And we'll start exploring that. Because when we explore that, we explore the God who made it. Amen? Okay? And so that's what we're going to be doing. Folks, assume the taste buds go with you to heaven. Assume the joy of the beach goes to heaven. Assume that, 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 that the, the overwhelming joy of, of creating and inventing and all that goes to heaven. That, that's part of God's idea in a perfect world. Let me show you another part. Genesis 125, just a couple of verses up from what we just read. And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds... And the livestock according to their kind. And everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Folks, the animal kingdom. God's idea. And and there'll be an animal kingdom in heaven. God will create. We'll have animals. How how do you know? Because that's, that's what God does. He's really creative. He likes variety. And it was a part of a perfect world in the past. We should assume it'll be a part of a, a perfect world in the future. And, and think, folks, even in a fallen world, think of all the benefits we enjoy with the animal kingdom. Now, it's a tense relationship between humanity and the animal kingdom. And animals are dangerous to each other. And we're dangerous to them. And they're dangerous to us. But even in the midst of all that, there's, there's still great blessing. I, I want to show you a, a, a part of the animal kingdom that God really designed with us in mind. Let me, I, let me introduce to you uh, Buddy. Come on in here, Buddy. This isn't our campus pastor, by the way. This is my... Uh, is, is Buddy coming? There he is. The four-legged one, not the two-legged one. Yeah, the two-legged one's actually my son. You got you to gotta pick him up. Buddy, this is actually the second time that Buddy has been a part of a sermon. The last time was like eight or nine years ago, and I don't remember what the sermon was or why he was in here. But uh, he helped me. Thank you, Randy. He, he helped me. And uh, Buddy is—here, let's turn around so everybody can see you. Buddy is—he's um, 14 years old. 
He, he, he's an old boy now. That's why we have to carry him up the stairs. And never use a leash on him because he's very, very obedient. <laughs> he's just deaf. So it doesn't matter what commands you give him anymore. And he's going to take a little nap now because he's roughly 91 years old in human age. And so, but, uh, you know, if you'll, if you'll do the math, 14 years old. So he, our, our children were age two to nine when we got Buddy. And so this, this is your proverbial family dog, okay? I mean, this, this is the dog that, that, that raised our kids. You know, he, he went with them, although, you know, the girls moving out of the home and boys aren't far behind. And he, he's been there the whole time with that. Now, now Buddy is a, uh, a Sheltie, a Shetland sheepdog, and God made him to herd. That's how God designed this animal to, to herd. Unfortunately, I've never, I've never kept a lot of sheep in the backyard. And, and so Buddy really couldn't do what he was designed for, except that he could. And so what Buddy did uh, when we got him as a puppy is from day one, he began herding my children. And uh, it was really, as adults, we laughed, we take video of it. I mean, very, very funny to watch them run in circles, n- nipping at their heels, keeping them in. But, but to the kids, it actually wasn't funny. He did it so well, they often couldn't get out of the backyard. And, and so it, it became a little frustrating for him. But what was really funny about Buddy doing this is Buddy, Randy, who just, who just brought Buddy up, I, I, you know, he's, he's a smart dog. Maybe it's because Randy was the smallest. He clearly, very quickly identified Randy as the baby of the family. And so while he took care of all four, he honed in on Randy much, much more to the point that where he stopped hurting the kids uh, after a couple of years, he didn't stop hurting Randy until like a year ago. Okay, Randy has known very little life on this planet without Buddy pushing him. I mean, Randy walks through the kitchen and Buddy pushes him, pushes him at his, at his uh, ankles like this. He's always hurting him. And I think, I think he just finally got so old. He said, I'm done. I'm retiring. But, uh, you know, we, we have stories like that. And you know what? Could we not just right now, like, go till four o'clock and all of you just bring up your pet and tell your story, you know, uh, about your dog and what it meant to your kids and family. But, you know, you've, some of y'all have heard me say this before, you know, at night, I, uh, I put the, the dogs to, to bed in, their, in the laundry room. And uh, when we have one other dog, Winnie, oddly enough, God made her dumb as a post. I don't. Uh, but you know what? God didn't design her to be smart or to herd. She doesn't even leave the porch because she knows it's not safe out there for her. But, but he made her to be a little lover. And uh, he made her to, he designed her perfectly to sit on a lap. And she does it to perfection, you know? So, but anyway, you want to get up and see? And so uh, anyway... I put him to bed at night and, and I'm in there and I'll, I'll pet him. And I, I, folks, more times than I can count, I've said, just said, you know what? Thank you, Lord. I mean, you, you did, God, you, you did this. Okay. This was your evolution still so much joy out of the beauty of creation. Okay. This didn't just happen. Some, somebody did this. Somebody created this. And he had a, a purpose in mind. He had a, a design in mind. And so God was thinking about my family and my home and said, I'm going to create this. And, and it'll be this and this and this for that. And you know what, folks, what's amazing is everything I just described, that's true in a fallen world. We, we don't know any animals in a perfect world, N- not even the good animals that we can relate with in a really, we, we've never, Buddy's never bitten anybody, but we've never experienced Buddy. Buddy's never experienced us. Th- those, those two kingdoms don't come together. They come together in an imperfect world. 
What, what's heaven going to be like? It's, it's going to be humanity in an animal kingdom where, as the scripture says, the lamb and the lion lie down together. It, you know, it, it, it's going to be in all its perfection. So I'm thinking if, if there can be so much joy in this now, man, how, how do I even begin to imagine how awesome that is? Okay, buddy, that's, that's it for you. Come on. Come on. That's, that's three sermons for you. I know that makes a long day. Come this way. Look at Randy over here. Go with Randy. Take a nap. We'll talk later. Done a super job. Y'all thank Buddy for being here with us today. Hey, we got any, uh, we got any city lovers in here? Love the, 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 the lights, the buildings, all the, yeah? Okay, love the hustle and the bustle and, and all that comes with this. You know what, folks? When, when we say a word, it means something, right? You, you say a word and something comes in your mind. For instance, if I want you to think of the word or the animal dog, you know what I don't say? I don't say, okay, y'all ready? Moon. See, I, w- I wouldn't say moon if I wanted you to think of Buddy or your dog or your childhood dog. Words have meaning. And when those words are uttered, all the meaning comes with it. Well, well guess what, folks? When God, who knows how language works, right? Okay, when God says city, he knows all that comes with that. He knows all, all that can be a part of that. So we should, obviously, he's not talking about traffic and crime because that won't be in heaven, right? No, no traffic, no crime in heaven. But all the, the good, all the excitement, all that you can be involved with in the city, well, that's what God has in mind when he says the word city to you. And folks, he is going to deliver a city. Look at this with me. Go to the end of your Bible, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, and let's look at verse 10. Revelation 21, verse 10. And he carried me away. This is, this is the apostle John speaking. He, he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three, on the south three, on the, on the west three. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. Now think of that, folks. We build our biggest buildings on a foundation. Th- this has 12 foundations. And on them were the the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000, this is the length of it, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width, and okay, now John's going to add something. And its height are equal. Okay, so just as long and wide, that's how high up it goes. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits. Now look at this phrase, by human measurement. You know, obviously when we come to Revelation, there's some things that are symbolic. There's some things that are literal. I think in most cases, there's more literal there than we we would imagine. But there's certainly symbolism. What we're reading here, I mean, there could be symbol in these measurements and its size, symbol in how it's being described. But here's to me what I can't get over and why I'm saying he must really be describing something very literal is that phrase by human measurement, which is the same as an angel. 
angel's measurement. Now, John just told us, I saw this angel and he had, I mean, for just imagination, say a yardstick. He, he had this stick and this is what he was using to, to measure everything. And oh, by the way, it, the form of measurement he was using was the same as human measurement. That seems like a lot of detail for something that's just meant to be taken symbolically, doesn't it? It's something that's just meant to be figurative. That's, that's really very detailed that he's wanting us to understand how it was measured. So it, it, we get these, these uh, dimensions. Verse 18, the wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, agate, emerald, onyx, carnelian, chrysolite, beryl, topaz, chrysoprase, jacinth, and amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. One, put the pearl and then carve out the gate and that pearl... You know, folks, this is in heaven, and obviously this thing is huge. You know, having been to Jerusalem and, and seen the wall. See, we don't build cities with walls, do we? But, but there they did, and, and, and Jerusalem has this wall all the way around it, and you go in and out of the gates. And the gate was, I, I don't know, Karen, was it as tall as the ceiling here? Maybe, maybe a little bit. I mean, a gate will go 25, 30 feet up. It'll be every bit that wide. I mean, lanes of cars are going in and out of these gates, Okay, so that's how big the gate. One pearl is going to make a gate. Man, I'd love to see the oyster that produced this thing. <laughs> Apparently, there's going to be sea monsters in heaven. My goodness. One pearl does this. Okay, and the street, the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. That's a pretty incredible city, isn't it? You know, cities have a glory to them. Man, we, there, I mean, there's great cities in the, in the world today. Many of them, a number of them right here in the United States. And a lot of times with cities, you think of their skyline, right? I mean, some of the skylines, like Seattle with that, that needle thing. And Dallas has that thing. It goes up the green ball, that green thing. And, of course, you think of Chicago. You're going to think of New York City. God, I mean, you walk into New York City. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a number of us have been there. Man, the first time you're there, it's hard not to look like a tourist, isn't it? I mean, it's hard. I mean, it, 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 stuff goes up this much, this high. By the way, the, gosh, the Empire State Building's what? 100 stories? 110 stories. Let's try to understand the dimensions of this because, folks, with all the glory of the great cities, these cities, these cities in America and around the world are closer. They're really a lot closer in relationship to like a, an abandoned, broken down old country store on the side of the road than they are in relationship to the city we just described. I mean, there's, there's just no comparison. We, we haven't built anything that is like this city. It says that it's 12,000 stadia. What is 12,000 stadia? It's 1,400 miles. This city is 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide, and it goes up into the air 1,400 Miles. Now that, that, that's hard to process, isn't it? That's, that's, that's hard to understand. Okay, so the Empire State Building's 100 stories, 110, something like that. Okay, if each story in the new city, in, in the new Jerusalem is 12 feet, and I think stories are usually 10, aren't they? But let's make it 12. Then that means that the new Jerusalem is 600,000 stories high. 
I mean, good luck getting an elevator on move-in day. Oh my God, 600, what is What does that even mean? 1,400 miles. Okay, that means if you were to set the new Jerusalem on the United States, it would start at the Appalachian Mountains and it would go to the California border. It would go from Canada to Mexico. So it's roughly the size of the United States. I mean, it it can hold millions, if not a billion people on the ground level, but, but... it's going 1,400 miles up. There's multiple levels, however you might measure. Well, some said, well, it's not the whole city that's 1,400. Maybe the, the tallest building. Okay, I'd like to see a building that goes 1,400 feet up. You know, but that's actually not what the passage just said. Think about the skylines of the great cities. They're more like, a, would you describe it as a cube or as a triangle? you got the highest or the, the highest grouping of buildings in the center, and then it just kind of goes down from there, right? This didn't say it's shaped like a triangle. It said it's shaped like a cube. It's 1,400 miles all the way across at the top. I, you, know what, you know what part of our problem is, I think, with understanding this great city? Is it's so amazing, we can't imagine it. We can't. This is beyond the phrase, boy, I just can't imagine that. No, no, I mean, we actually can't figure this out. A a, a city that's as big as our nation, a city that goes 1,400 miles into the air. You know, you're overwhelmed in New York about the amount of concrete. Well, folks, there's just that much concrete. How many times over in Jerusalem, except it's not as much concrete as it is precious gems and jewels, as, as it is gold. I mean, it is so incredible I think we read it and I don't even, I think we just move on. We, we can't make that a part of our hope because we can't even hardly understand it. But folks, every bit of it is being described with physical objects, measuring rods, uh, things that we understand, you know, the gems and the foundations, all this. It's being described in a physical way, in a physical realm. I mean, folks, when God delivers this city, he's just showing off, isn't he? He sure is. He is showing off to his glory and to our enjoyment. You know, you enjoy most when you glorify him the most. And he will be showing off to his glory and and to our joy. You know, folks, let me me try to wrap this up. Gosh, how how do we understand what heaven is like? Think about like this. Kind of the same way I guess I began. What's the best trip you've ever taken? What, what made it the best trip you've, you've ever taken? What, what's the best food you eat? What's the best meal that you've ever experienced? Do you remember that? Do you have a couple of candidates in mind? What, what, what is the best of the beaches? What is the best of the mountains? What is the best of the city? What is the best... Of your best relationships. Now what I'd like to do is say, that's what heaven is going to be like. And yet folks, when you and I have enjoyed the, the best of our family pet, the best of that meal, the best of New York City, when we've enjoyed the best uh, of this relationship, when we've enjoyed that, do you realize we didn't enjoy it, any of it, not any aspect of it in perfection. You know what, if there was a perfect blueberry on this planet, when I put it in my mouth, my tongue's not perfect, neither is yours. If if there was a perfect song created on this planet, it would go through imperfect ears and imperfect ability to process it. 
You see, even when we enjoyed all those things that were the very best moments in our life, surrounding it, all encompassed in it, was death, decay, greed, lying, stealing, cheating, immorality. There was fear. There was anxiety. All of this stuff is all interlaced into those very best things that we enjoy for just a moment. Folks, heaven is all of those very best things. But there is no death. There is no decay. There's no greed. There's nobody lying around you why that's happening. There's no anger. There's no tension. There's no fear and anxiety. It's it's all of the best minus any evil, minus any wrong. Folks, it's all the best minus good. It's not just that it's minus the bad. It's minus the good. It's just the very, very best. You know something else we've never experienced perfectly on this earth? We've never perfectly experienced love. God God loves me perfectly, but I don't receive it perfectly. Neither do you. Gosh, look at our behavior. Obviously, we don't receive his love perfectly. We don't give and receive love with each other perfectly. In heaven, man, the love is perfect every Every direction it's going, given or receiving, it's, it's perfect. That's, that's just a little of what heaven's going to be like. Let's pray. Father, it sounds really trite to say thank you right now, but that's the only two words I've got to use. Thank you that you would love us like this. You, you would create, you would design, you would, you would build. And you're thinking about what my eyes will enjoy seeing. You're thinking about how that will land on my tongue and how enjoyable that would be. Lord, not, not only would you love me like this, but you would love me, you would love us like this. Knowing that we would reject your love. That we would rebel against your love. We, we would actually look at all this and say, I can do a better job. I can build love the way I want to build love. I, I, can, I can work the way I want to work. I can build significance in life the way I, 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 don't, I don't need that. And we, we rebel against you and we reject you, God. And yet you continue to love. When, when we lost heaven by our behavior... And just how much unlike you we are and, and how much unlike heaven we are. You continued to love and you, you made a way for us to get back to heaven. Through your son, Jesus Christ. It comes at such high cost. And man, the more I know about heaven, I, I guess that cost starts to make more and more sense. Lord... For, For all the people here in the room today, for all of us who are a child of God, we've been born again. We're in relationship with you in righteousness. And heaven is our future. God, would you help us to live like it? Surely this reality is to to make a difference in my attitude. To make a difference in my mood. Lord, you've told us it can change our attitude and mood if we'll think on it. But we we don't. We don't think on it. We, we think on our fears. We think on our anxieties. We think on our disappointments. And, and Lord, I thank you for your patience. Th- those fears, those anxieties, those disappointments, they're very real in this world. But the heaven you've created for us is just as real. And you've told us to think on that. 
to, to focus on that. Lord, help us to do that. I, I pray, God, it would affect the way, it would change the way we live. Knowing this is where we're going to spend eternity. I'm just walking through the fear and disappointment for a moment. But my eternity is heaven. God, may it affect my attitude, my mood, and, and how I relate. Lord, there's some in here today who do not have a relationship with you. They're not a child of God. Heaven is, is not their future. May today be the day that changes. May, may today be the day they realize only you can give them what they need. Only you can provide what is necessary for their lives. And I pray the day would be the day they would turn from themselves in this world and take a step of faith into Jesus Christ and the heaven that you have for them. God, move through this room and make heaven real for all of us. And may the next step we take be the one that is right for each of us in light of heaven. I I pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.